The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? The controversial T. On August 2nd, 2017, at about 1640 Eastern Standard Time, I was on Reddit discussing the Flintstones Flintstones flip on another thread. My position was that it is, and always was, the Flintstones. This guy sent me a reply saying at the time it was the Flintstones, you could look at Wikipedia and all official TV shows and vitamin sites, and it was always Flintstones. He used the word Flintstones in all four examples given. I said, I know, you are confirming my point that it was always Flintstones. Then when I was done with my reply and I looked up at his original post, all four flint stones had changed on my static display to flint stones. Did I just see it wrong? I looked away and came back and it was flint stones again. I would just look away, blink, change my focus, look back, and it would flip again. I was able to do this six or seven times in under five minutes, each time looking slowly and cautiously for this controversial T in all four places. Essentially impossible to me that I made a mistake slowly and cautiously each time. I felt something was trying to wake me up. Sometime in the 1950s, a man walked through airport security in Tokyo, Japan, presenting his passport and ID. He said he was there on business, told the agent the company he worked for, and then stated he was visiting from his home country of Tared. But of course, Customs was baffled. What's even more baffling was that the man himself was baffled. It was baffling, to say the least. The man insisted that was where he was from. His passport said it, his driver's license said it, but no one had ever heard of it. The customs team, in an effort to solve this mystery, called the company the man said he worked for. They existed, sure. In Tored? No. Had they ever heard of this man? Also, no. The agents brought out a map, and the man, confused, now looking at it, pointed out on it where his home country would have been, right along the border of France and Spain, right in the area that currently sits the country of Andorra. But unfortunately, no Tored could be located on the map. Baffled still, the agents got this man to a hotel room and assigned security to watch over him until they figured this whole misunderstanding out. Unfortunately, by morning, the man had disappeared, 
and the documents surrounding his origin country that went with the security agents disappeared. The room did not look slept in, the restroom unused, and all of his luggage was gone. This story has come up many a time when discussing the potential for parallel timelines causing the Mandela effect, and it would certainly support the idea and invite further investigation into both alternate realities and the effect itself, if it were true. According to a very easy Snopes search, there was indeed a man who was taken into custody in Japan in 1959 when he was caught using a false passport that he himself had created from a non-existent country. He ended up being prosecuted and sentenced. And, of course, there was no vanishing act. He, he probably just served his time and that was that. Not so flashy or mysterious, though based in fact and reality... It just goes to show you how a story can get so twisted up. People get excited and latch onto the possibility that this is the proof, that this supports our paranormal belief. And as much as the believer in me wants to jump on the bandwagon, and believe me when I say that I do, unfortunately, the skeptic in me beats me to the punch, sniffing out the Snopes link. That's why we're here, right? To learn everything we can about any given paranormal topic and prove to ourselves, one way or the other, whether something is paranormal or not. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I'm your host, Kristen. And before we launch into the lesson for today, discovering and discussing a few more Emmys, I wanted to do some breaking educational news, something I learned in support of the past season's subject, and I thought it was an incredibly interesting point. So, I'm sure if you've been in this world for any length of time at all, you may have heard that pets can see the paranormal. They're sitting there watching the ghosties and the shadow people running around your place, right? Okay. So I was listening to another podcast called Supernatural Realm Podcast, where they were talking about exactly that. So animals' eyes are a little different from our own. Take a dog's eyes. While they have both rods and cones, just like us, they have rod-dominated retina, which are good for shape recognition and motion detection, as opposed to our cone-dominated eyes, which are better for color distinction and deciphering detail. One of the hosts was talking about how humans have our rods located on the periphery of our retina, thus peripheral vision, right? Um, That we can pick up a good amount of movement out of the corner of our eyes using those rods, just like animals do. And this can actually support the shadow person phenomenon, Because when you're sitting on your couch watching TV and your rods pick up movement out of your peripheral, like, it's, it's an involuntary process. I mean, it's, it's picking up movement, you guys. That's huge. I read so many experiences where people thought they saw movement, turned to look, and, and, you know, when nothing is there, of course, thought they had made it up. Hell, I've done that. But... It never occurred to me that the parts of our eyes designed for motion detection are detecting motion. Straight on, you can't see anything. Out of your periphery, you can totally see something there. I I, I don't know. Interesting, right? Like, it's not proof by any stretch, but it's incredibly supportive, in my opinion. So, wanted to share that. 
One last thing before we move on. Uh, it's been a little over two weeks since Ida ravaged uh, the city of New Orleans. I recall having mentioned, you know, recording the last episode during the storm because uh, because my timing is impeccable and I am a professional, if nothing else. Uh, happy to report my household and fur babies made it out without a scratch. The storm itself, not that bad, actually. Uh, it lasted forever. Still, not that bad. No, see, um, it was the two straight hours of tornado alert alarms blaring on my phone. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that fun, stress-free little tune. Yeah, yeah, that, it, was, uh, it was that for me. At one point, I was draped over my cats like a goddamn human shield and in some sort of, like, mortal combat ready stance as if I was gonna sack punch a damn twister if it decided to rip through my house. Does any of that make sense now or did any of it make sense to do at that moment? No, of course not. You don't think logically in those situations. You just, uh, you know, switch over into primal mode until the threat is over. But thankfully, I only wake up in a cold PTSD sweat only some nights now. So, Making progress, I guess. Um, you know, people love to hate on the South, don't they? And and don't get me wrong, I did too. Once upon a time, I lived in the normal progressive parts of this country for, you know, most of my life. Loved most of it. It was my jam. But never once in all that time did my ire, did my ill will and doom wishing ever fall on New Orleans. Ever. When I tell you there are some incredible people living in that little oasis of the South. So it sucks to read online the hate people throw in at the wall on the entire state. Um, I don't really know what I'm actually ranting about right now. Perhaps this is just my plea to have some compassion because um, th this is a really special place. It's it's one of a kind and it would cease to be that way without the people who currently occupy it. End rant. All right, now on to the lesson for today. Something else that maybe we might have only seen with our rods is a little movie called Shazam, starring Sinbad the comedian who plays a genie. I have read recounted experiences of people who claim to have seen this film, been able to walk through the entire thing, including characters, story development, story arc, various details throughout, and the way it ends. One person claimed to have worked in a movie rental shop at the time this film was released and had to watch it numerous times to spot any defects or issues with the playback. Many have described their dismay when Kazam, starring Shaq as a genie, came out a short time after, claiming it to be an obvious ripoff of their beloved Shazam. Well, unsurprisingly, on a season devoted to Mandela Effect, the movie, quite simply, does not exist. Never happened. But we're not talking just a misspelled word here, a similar but different logo. We are talking about a full-length feature film that people remember vividly, in detail. The gist of the lost movie Shazam is this. 
two children accidentally summon a genie, who apparently is not very good at what he does. They wish for their dad to fall in love again after their mother passes away, and unfortunately Sinbad's genie character can't quite grant it for them. The man who worked at the video store and had to watch the film many times is referenced in the article I'm linking below as having scene-by-scene recollections of the film. These include the children wishing for a new wife for dad, the little girl wishing her broken doll to be fixed, and the final scene taking place at a pool party. Numerous people actually agree on the following scenes taking place. The children fighting over a genie lamp in the attic, thus summoning Sinbad the genie. They both believe at first that he is a kidnapper and run away. The scene where the little girl wishes her broken doll to be fixed. The wishing for a new wife for their dad. And the pool party scene. Many people add in that uh, in that scene, the dad's boss gets humiliated somehow. These are a lot of pretty specific scenes for a movie that never existed. Now for Kazam. I've never seen it, so this is a summarizing straight from the Wikipedia page. In an attempt to outrun a gang of bullies, a 12-year-old boy hides inside of an abandoned building where he discovers a boombox and accidentally unleashes the genie, played by Shaq, who has been living inside of it. It is established that Kazam is basically owned by the boy until he grants him three wishes. Uh, okay, uh, fast forward through rando hijinks and crappy movie filler, Kazam finally convinces the boy to make his first wish, which ends up being uh, junk food falling from the sky. Somehow, Shaq is rapping by this point. This is a, a musical comedy or a, a comedy with some music, not very clear from the Wikipedia. Anyway, the boy then tries for his second wish for his estranged father and mother to get back together because he wants to rekindle his relationship with his dad. Kazam cannot do this because he's not a djinn and therefore cannot grant ethereal wishes. There's a bad guy who takes control of Kazam's boombox at some point and therefore has control of the genie. He kidnaps the kid. Kazam turns the bad guy into a basketball and slam dunks him into a garbage disposal. This is a, it's a crazy movie. Um, In the final tussle, the bad guy had thrown the boy down an elevator shaft. At the end, Kazam finds his lifeless body and in his sorrow, somehow that turns him into a djinn. He then grants Max his wish, uh, which was ultimately to rekindle his relationship with his dad, bringing him back to life. And we last see Kazam walking down the street, free forever from his genie prison boombox, being harassed and harangued by his girlfriend. What? Uh, like in all of that, where, when did he get a girlfriend? This is an absurd film. Now, aside from the nightmare of a movie that sounds like Let's compare the two. Are they similar? Like, at all? This is often the first explanation pointed to when people bring up Shazam. People claim that these are false memories stemming from the release of Kazam. Aside from neither genie being able to grant that one wish because neither are powerful enough, I really don't see it. Do you? Am I crazy? Um, I- I'm not exactly sure how one could confuse one with the other. I will say, though, just devil's advocate here, um, the way that Shazam's poster art has been described sounds incredibly similar to Kazam's actual poster, like very spot on. 
Sinbad's own explanation of the misremembering is due to a skit that he did where he was dressed as a genie-like character. Sinbad also did voiceover on the cartoon American Dad for a genie character. Some claim it is due to the character Sinbad the Sailor from Arabian Nights. And, of course, there is the conspiracy theory that there were legal disputes with the writers of Kazam and DC Comics due to their character called Shazam, or that Sinbad himself was just mortified at having done the movie in the first place, and this is a massive cover-up. I guess anything is possible. Uh, Personally, this is going to be one that I thought I remembered having known about both of these films, but do not recall the viewing of either. Okay, let's switch gears here. Um, Another movie from our past. Anyone remember the movie Gremlins with cute little gizmo? Or uh, what was, uh, what was the bad one? What was his name? Spike, right? Nope, it was not. Even I recalled it as being Spike. But the little critter was actually named Stripe. Okay, I can accept that. Fine, it makes no sense, but I'll accept it. Next, we'll knock these two out because they are both cartoons or cartoonish characters from our childhoods, Flintstones and Smokey the Bear. Flintstones is a simple spelling change. I remember it being Flintstones, but it is Flintstones, which makes more sense, right? They were cavemen, flint, for fire. Okay, doesn't make me mad. I accept it. Interestingly, though, prior to starting research for this episode, I posted to Reddit in search of people's personal experiences with Emmy and something surfaced I wasn't entirely prepared for. First, the Flintstone versus Flintstone dilemma is a lot more prevalent than I was expecting. But the big one, numerous people report having experienced a flip in the spelling. Like the fella in the story at the top of the show, People have experienced having believed it to be spelled one way, only to discover it was another way. Only to discover it was back the original way, and so on and so forth. That is an aspect to Mandela Effect that, of course, I will be digging more deeply into, um, as it's curious that it happens at all. But don't you think that alone could lend some kind of credence to something strange going on here? Like, at the very least, on a personal level, just to prove to yourself that, yes, something indeed is happening. I don't think that I have yet had this flip-flop experience myself, but I can imagine having what I can only imagine would be described as a paradigm shift if I had made a mental note that this thing was this way, had that knowledge cemented in my mind, wrote it down, took pictures, blah, 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 only to discover that once again, it had changed. Or, as in the case of a few flip-flop experiencers who have written to me, it continues to change. How does one even cope with that? Hopefully, like the man in the story at the top of the show, that rather than allow something like that to shake you or scare you, maybe it would feel more like something was trying to wake you up. That's, that's a cool thought. The um, other cartoon that I want to talk about is Smokey the Bear. It's actually just Smokey Bear. Apparently, in all of his earlier promotional materials and clips and cartoons and whatnot, he was never Smokey the Bear. This one, this one just bugs me. <laughs> I guess I understand how it can be misremembered and over the course of however many decades Smokey has been in existence. Um, 
This is one that we learn as children. We're not so familiar with this character because we really only see him, what, maybe once a year when the Forest Service or the fire department come in to talk to our schools. Um, We're also learning at that time how to label things. So it might seem weird to us to not label Smokey as a thing, but rather give him the first name Smokey and make his last name Bear. I don't know. It still bugs me, but fine, fine. I accept this. And one more thing from our childhoods, I promise. Who out there did not like PB&J sandwiches? Hmm? I've eaten more than my fair share over the course of my life. And I don't know about you, but I distinctly remember eating Jiffy peanut butter. I remember when I started noticing in the grocery store the Jiff peanut butter. And you know what I thought without really questioning it? I thought they had simply updated their image, that it was just a logo change. Companies do it all the time. No big whoop. But no. Come to find out, there was no Jiffy. Ever. Ever. So what the hell was I eating? People will point to Skippy peanut butter and the confusion that can be had between the two. And that sounds logical. I hate it because I know I ate Jiffy peanut butter, but I will accept it for now. All right, let's step from our childhoods and talk about something a little more serious, a little more dramatic and dark. We're going to wrap up this episode with two last Emmys that both really threw me, and I'll tell you about that, of course. The first is the JFK car during the assassination. Think back in your mind to that famous recording. We've all seen it. The car slowly rolls down the street, JFK, his wife by his side, waving, smiling. The car continues to pull forward through Dealey Plaza and the famous moment when all hell breaks loose. Don't think about it. Just remember and say out loud how many people were in that car. If you said four just now, you're not alone in being incorrect. There were actually six. I did not believe that when I first heard it. I, I had to look it up to verify I was so sure I was right. Well, sure as shit, there's six people in that car. Three rows of seats. It's a limo. It still gets me sometimes. Uh, I think about this one and think back to having seen the video many times before. And even though I know now it's six people, I still only remember the shorter car seating four. I can't explain the confusion I feel this one. I understand logically that if you explain to me that this was a convertible limo, all of these people had to be in this car for whatever reason, okay, I'm sure I can come to accept this, but I don't know that I will ever remember having seen it that way. And that is a weird thought to me. And to wrap it up, the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination. I know, we go dark here at Paranorm Girl. Sometimes you gotta. This is not a huge change, but it's something that bothers me to no end. And it's gonna make me sound crazy, but here it is. I used to act for a company who toured this educational show about MLK around the Seattle area. After some of these shows, we would have to host Q&As and answer any of the questions that the students might have. So we had to be very well-versed and educated ourselves in all of the details of King's life, his work, and, of course, his death. I recall learning it had happened on an upper story of a motel in Memphis. The killer was named James Earl Ray. And I recall learning that he shot King from close range with a handgun. However, 
any search now will turn up that he shot him with a Remington Game Master rifle from an upper bathroom in a boarding house somewhere near the motel. I'm not sure how I could screw up a detail like that, but I'm not alone. The weird thing about this particular M.E. is that some people also remember him being assassinated with a bomb. So it's one of those twofers, um, and, and there are a lot of confused people out there. But I guess I gotta accept it, right? It didn't happen the way I thought it did, the way I learned it did. Did it? Did it? That'll do it for today, folks. Did any of the effects I talked about today really hurt your brain, hurt your feelings, make you second-guess yourself? It's okay, boo. You're not alone. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please show us some love by following the socials. The handle for all is at ParanormGirlPod. Send me your own strange experience with the paranormal, your encounter with a skinwalker, the time you met your doppelganger, or your own head-scratching foray with the supernatural that sent you deep into this world looking for answers. I want to hear it. I want to share it. Shoot it on over to ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on whichever platform you are listening. It helps me out tons to reach more of my peeps. And now, a final note. Jif peanut butter. Smoky bear. Flint stones. Kazam, not Shazam. Stripe, not spike. Six people, not four. Sniper, not intimately close. Feels weird coming off the tongue, but what other option is there? What else are we supposed to believe is going on here? Do we just accept all of this? And if it should continue as it appears it has been, how long do we acceptably go on saying, I accept this? Like I said at the beginning, it is okay to be wrong. That's not a problem. You own up to it. All is well. But can so many of us be so wrong on so many things in the same way? How is that even possible? I started this whole season with a healthy amount of skepticism. But the deeper I go, the less possible a logical explanation becomes to me. Is it weird to think that, what if we're all right, no matter which memory we have? There's this theory that there are parallel universes or timelines merging. If that were so, then us being all right, that, that would be accurate, would it not? It would be like we were all straddling both sides of the fence, both sides having happened, all timelines occurring simultaneously. Like we were standing in two states at once by straddling the border. Yes, I'm in Wyoming. Yes, I'm also in Montana. I think even if that were the case, obviously it appears that one of the realities is winning out over the others. The one we currently can look up on Google, see in the newspapers, on our phones, that is the current reality. No one can argue that. But it still does not solve this mystery. People still feel at times like they don't belong here. It's not enough to just say, look, that's the way it is, move on. I want to know what caused it, what is causing it. Obviously, something very strange is happening here. So I think next show, we'll go over precisely that. 
there are some strange theories out there, but for the sake of education, I think they are worth covering. Nothing to be afraid of, right? It's not like we all died in 2012 or anything, and now we're all just living out our afterlives, oblivious and unaware. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Pardon me. My, my producer is trying to get my attention. What is it? What now? That's, that, that's one of the theories. Oh, okay. Thank you. <clears throat> so, as I was saying, nothing to be suspicious of. It's not like they who pull all of the strings purposely ended our timeline by turning on the Large Hadron Collider to bring us into a parallel time continuum, purposely altering events in the- What? What? I'm trying to close the show. It's what? Ah, hell. You know what? No need to be nervous. It's definitely not like some irresponsible time traveler stepped on a butterfly or talked to their own parents, thus indifferently creating alterations to our very memories, and he's nodding now. Okay, okay, I give up. No. You know what? I don't give up. Not going to do it. And neither are you guys. Until we have all the details in hand, there is no reason yet to be afraid. Or suspicious. Or overly nervous. Until we have all of the information and our facts straight, we keep trudging forward. There is nothing we could learn that can possibly be so big and scary that it makes us immobile, that makes carrying on futile. No matter what caused all of the changes, it actually shouldn't strike fear in us. It should strike hope, gratitude even. Whether it shook you to your core or just mildly irritated you, you realized there was a change you could not explain. Maybe the not being able to explain any of it right now isn't the most important part of this. Maybe that you have become aware to something going on is. And I can accept that. Stay safe, keep that nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.